This is session number 79 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you become confident and poised presenters and speakers. This is podcast number 79. And on this episode, we're going to cover part four of a five part series on communication skills. So last week, I gave you a few simple things that you can do to build trust and rapport with your audience. And this week, we're going to cover a few things that you can do to resolve conflict. So in those situations where you have to deliver bad news or where you know that the audience is going to be somewhat hostile, how do you avoid those conflicts before they come up and then resolve conflicts in the middle of your speech if you need to? And then the final session that we're going to cover next week, we're we're going to talk about how to gain enthusiastic cooperation from others. And just like we talked about last week, um, these skill sets or these leadership tips that we're kind of talking about on the on the this multi-part session are things that you can use when you're presenting but you can also use them around the office when you're dealing with coworkers with uh, people who work around you work for you you can use them with with your family you know basically anybody that we interact with on a day-to-day basis these skills are are really vital to helping us create the 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 trust that that um that relationship with the people that are important to us. So this podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. Hey, and by the way, I've, I've kind of talked on the last few episodes about how thanks to folks like you listening to the podcast and people coming to our, our two-day fearless presentations class, um, we, um, I, we've actually had to add, add a tremendous number of classes to our schedule, which is great. We love it. Um, but just keep in mind that the if you are interested in attending one of the two-day public speaking classes, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com. Look at the schedule because uh, quite a few of the classes that I mentioned on last week's episode are now full. You can't even get into them anymore. We have to, we have to, in order for the classes to really work well, we have to limit the number of people to about, in a lot of cases, it's in some cities, eight, nine, ten people or so. So once the once the class is full, we have to cut off registration. So if you are looking for one of the cities that I mentioned on the class on the podcast last week. And you go to fearlesspresentations.com and it's no longer there or if it says full or then um, just hit the um, the link that will take you to the locations and that will pull up every single city that we teach classes in. So you can either go to a city that's fairly close. It's still pretty convenient because a lot of times, especially in the Northeast and, and places where we where we do a tremendous number of classes, you can kind of travel around from from one city to, to the next. And I think a lot of times people kind of like that anyway, kind of get out to a new city and explore a little bit when you're there. But we have classes coming up, at least right now anyway, when I'm doing the recording. We've still got seats available in, in Dallas, Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Phoenix, Chicago, Seattle, Miami, Indianapolis, Charlotte, San Antonio, Houston, San Francisco, Washington, D.C. Now, this is the, the, the next Washington, D.C. class. I just finished one 
couple of weeks ago. And so this is the next one. Uh, also, Minneapolis, Philadelphia, I mentioned Philadelphia, Columbus and New York. So all of those are, are cities where at least right now at the time of the recording, we've got seats available. If they didn't call your city, go to fearlesspresentations.com. You can access the full schedule. Um, we, we also do um, do uh, corporate classes. If you have at least five people, five to 10, 12 people or so, you can train as many as 12 people for about the same price as, as having four or five people just go to a, a regular public class. So it's a lot, whole lot less expensive to have us come out to your office and, and do one of these things. And then don't forget about the Fearless Presentations online course. That's uh, something I've mentioned for the last few weeks, but that is, it's, I, we are so proud of that. It, it, it has been one of the one of the most exciting things that we've done as a company in the last, you know, probably six or seven years or so, because the the things that when we've been able to do with the online course has made it so much easier for folks to take the stuff that we're teaching on the podcast, take the stuff that we're teaching um, in the in-person seminars and put it into practice over an extended period of time. So like, for instance, when folks go through our two-day class, they, they typically come out, you know, loaded for bear, man. We're really confident. We're ready to go out. But if they if they're not able to do a, a, a real presentation for you know six months, then by the time that they actually get in front of a, a group and start to apply some of the stuff that we talked about in the class, it, it can get uh, they, it, it, we can forget. I mean, it's they're You know, we're, we're not we're not superhumans as far as our brain power. So. Sometimes we kind of forget. So the online course can help in a lot of situations like that where it's reinforcing that content so it becomes more of a practical skill. So if you're interested in that, go to fearlesspresentations.com. If you just click on the the, the uh, public speaking course link at the top of the of Fearless Presentations, it opens up a drop down that will that will give you the different options, the in-person classes, the seminar schedule, the um the online course, the personal coaching and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, click any of those and, um, and get details. So let's get on with today's pod podcast. So last week we talked about how to, to uh, really build that trust and rapport with our, with our audience. This week, we're going to do something a little different. It's, it's, it's along the same genre, the communication skills, but we really want to talk about how to, number one, avoid conflicts with our audience to keep the audience on our side during the presentation. And then if a conflict does erupt, if we find that the content that we're presenting is something that the audience is um, skeptical of, or maybe we're presenting bad news to our, our audience or something like that, how do we keep that that conflict from erupting if it does erupt how do we resolve it so that we can um, make sure that the the it's it's a win-win for us and for the the audience so the, before we actually get into any of the content today just keep in mind that a lot of the things that we're covering on past podcasts a lot of things we cover in the fearless presentations class the online course the, uh, the blog post on fearlesspresentations.com. If you design your presentations the way we kind of show you how to do it on in fearless presentations, it's a whole lot easier to avoid conflicts because basically what we're doing in the very early stages of designing our presentations using the techniques that we're showing you how to do is we're focusing on things that are beneficial to the audience. So instead of talking about how we are going to benefit from you doing what I ask you to do, audience member, it's we're we're doing it in a whole different way. We say, if I'm the person that's sitting in the audience, why do I care about this content? Why do I 
want to sit through an hour-long presentation with this Yahoo that's in front of the room. And if you kind of start with that premise when you design your presentations, you typically won't have a whole lot of conflicts. You typically won't have challenges with the with the audience testing you and, and things like that. So designing our, your presentation is one of the, well, anyway, is one of the best ways to kind of keep those conflicts from, from occurring. But we do know that there are some situations where we just have to present bad news. So let's say I'm a, I'm a sales manager and sales are down 50% this quarter. Man, okay. Now, I, I mean, I, if, if we don't make a dramatic change pretty dramatically, I'm going to get fired. The salespeople are going to get fired. The company's going to go out of business. And so we, uh, what we tend to do in a lot of situations like that is we tend to violate a lot of those principles that I talked about last week, which is, you know, criticizing. A lot of times what we'll do when we're in a tough situation like that is we become overly critical and we start focusing on what everybody did to get us in this mess that we're in. And if you design your presentations that way, pff, good luck. I mean, you're, you're not going to have a whole lot of success with the, with the audience because the audience is going to fight you every step of the way. Um, so what? So the principles that we're going to focus on today are things that you can use when you're in one of those situations that are difficult. You got to deliver challenging information uh, with that your audience may or may not be really um, into when you deliver it. So the first principle is you want to be proactive versus reactive. So the, what I'm saying here is that you want to kind of take a look at the speech that you've designed and identify right off the bat before you even get up in front of the group, what are the potential traps that you might fall into if you present the presentation the way that you have it designed. So if I'm the, you got to put yourself in the shoes of the person that's in the audience. If I'm the guy that's sitting in the audience and I hear a speaker get up and say the things that I'm going to say, am I going to say, you jerk off? You know, I'm you can't say that to me, right? So if I'm, if, if I'm likely to react that way, then you've, you're kind of throwing landmines out in front of yourself and trying to walk around them. So it's, it can be kind of challenging. So you want to be proactive active with your with your speech really go in and proofread your entire speech before you deliver it if you know that the audience is going to be a little bit more challenging to to deal with with and anything that you think is likely to raise controversy you might want to temper it a little bit make it you know change the delivery just just a hair to make it a little bit easier for you to deliver that presentation second thing that you can do if you want to um keep those conflicts from actually occurring in the first place is really, you got to be slow to anger. And when I say be slow to anger, that's, that's kind of the tip that, that I wrote about in 28 ways to influence people, the book that I wrote about a decade or so ago. And, um, and it's really, really effective in presenting though, you can replace that word anger with just about any emotion, because sometimes what will happen is somebody might you can tell that but the way that the person that somebody's interrupting us with a question and you can tell by the way that he or she is interrupting us that they're trying to test us or they're trying to argue with us and if we give into that if we if we react in kind people are, they're they're going to um respond in a more dramatic way so if you think about it Think about the times that you've ever been angry about something or somebody's been angry at you and somebody comes and they get right in your face and they start yelling. If When somebody reacts that way or when somebody is, is acting that way, human nature is not to turn the other cheek. Human nature is you want to respond. And most of the time, the way that we want to respond is 
not necessarily at the same level of emotion or anger that the person is is generating us. We want to respond with even more anger, right? And so if if we are showing anger, if we're showing frustration at the front of the room, then the people in the audience are, are likely to respond in a very similar fashion and, and try to kind of one up us. So you, you want to be very, very careful about that. If you ever if you've ever dealt with folks that are in customer service and in big companies, the, a lot of these folks are masters at helping diffuse tense situations, because most of the time when folks are calling in on an 800 number or they're, um, you know, putting a bad review on on Google or Yelp or something like that. Most of the time it's because they are they are angry and they want to they want to make somebody pay. And the worst thing that we can do when somebody is anger angry at us is to respond in anger to them because it's going to escalate it. So that that anger is going to increase. So what good customer service people are taught to do is just let the person vent a little bit. So like, for instance, one of the things we talked about when dealing with hecklers a couple of weeks ago was that when somebody's asking you that 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 tough question, a lot of times you can ask a clarifying question. So yeah, tell me why you're saying that. Or has something happened recently that's kind of brought this to your attention? One of those, one of those clarifying questions, or, or tell me more. Tell me more about the situation that you're you're asking me about. Any of those kind of things will let the person vent. They're already the person's already angry. And the more that they talk about it, the less angry they get, right? So the more that they vent, the less they're feeling anger because nobody is going to be persuaded if they're angry. So if we if we are acting angry in front of the group, we're not going to be persuaded. If the audience is is angry at us, they're not going to be persuaded. And so the the discussions that occur in that in that presentation a lot of times can lower that tense situation a little bit if you if you kind of do it the right way. So anyway, so the the point is is be slow to anger. Now the reason I said you want to avoid any other type of emotion as well is because sometimes if if you're not a comfortable or confident speaker in the first place and somebody challenges you with a really really tough question especially if they're if they're angry sometimes we as a speaker can just kind of panic and when that happens it's it's tough to recover from so showing that that fear showing that that nervousness can um it, it's kind of like you know, blood in the water with the shark, you know, so it can be really, really challenging. So you got to very, so you, you got to keep your cool. You got to keep poised, you know, meaning that, you know, if you remember back a couple of, of um, podcasts ago, I, I showed you the difference between self-confidence and poise. Self-confidence is when we feel really good about ourselves and we're confident and we know that we can do this thing. Poise is where we're actually feeling nervous and we're feeling fearful, but we don't let the audience know that. And so in situations where somebody's being very challenging to you, you have to you have to show that poise. You have to show that control so that so that they don't smell the blood in the water. So really, really important thing. The other thing that you want to keep in mind in this in this specific area is that a lot of times people will ask questions and we because we might be angry or we might be feeling emotional we anticipate that the reason why they're asking that question is because they're angry at us and we tend to want to respond in kind so keep in mind that just because somebody asks a question doesn't always mean that they're attacking us and if you want additional details on this make sure and go back a couple of podcasts and listen to the the tips on dealing with with hecklers so the third tip is one that that can be very helpful as well is you want to call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. So if we are delivering information that 
is of a of a critical nature, meaning that there's a challenge, you know, like we talked about before, you know, sales are down and, you know, we know that specific people in the audience have a, have a direct responsibility for that. They may not be personally responsible for it, but, you know, they're they're the things that they've done have kind of um, caused the consequences that we're experiencing. If we go out and we point that out directly in front of in uh, to the audience there's a good chance that people are going to see us as see the presenter anyway as being small you know as being um, mean as being difficult so it's a whole lot easier to call attention to people's mistakes indirectly like for instance if i happen to be the sales manager and i'm presenting one of these difficult presentations then sometimes even though it may not be my fault i have to kind of take responsibility because if my salespeople aren't selling the way that they're supposed to it it's going to it reflects on me it reflects on my leadership it reflects on my management and so in a lot of situations a lot of times if i'm having to to deal with something like this i might say hey you know one of the things that i've kind of um let get a little lax in the last couple of years is the blank you know whatever it is and and kind of so i'm taking responsibility as the leader for not being the leader in that situation and using and, and pointing the finger at myself versus pointing the finger at the people that that have kind of done that. So you just want to be very, very careful about pointing fingers at other people. The old adage is that, you know, when you point your finger at somebody, you got three other fingers pointing at back at you. So if you try that, just kind of point your finger out in front of you right now, you'll see that there are three fingernails pointed right at you. And that's kind of the thing that we want to keep in mind instead of pointing the finger at somebody else. Sometimes it's, it's much easier to um, make the make the um, the challenge that we're trying to deal with easy to solve, make it a, a, a simple fix and uh, and encourage the team to work together in order to accomplish that. So just be very careful about pointing attention to or calling attention to other people's mistakes, especially in front of a group can be very challenging. Uh, so the the next set of couple of, of uh, tips that I'm going to give you are things that you can do once we're actually in a conflict. So we know that the audience is not on board with what we're saying. <laughs> so we're we're we are we know that um, that it, we're not anticipating that a conflict may occur and we're trying to avoid it. We know that um, the the audience is not necessarily on my side and and we're looking for a way to kind of fix it. These are some things that you can do that will help you kind of rebuild that rapport with the audience. If you remember back last week, we talked about how every single person that we interact with, we have a relationship bank account with, and we're making those either positive deposits into that account or making the withdrawals. And sometimes just one or two really negative things can take away the entire balance that we have in that account. And so if we are um, delivering a presentation like this, it's real easy to get over overdrawn. So once that overdrawn, <laughs> once we get overdrawn, what do we do to start making some more of those deposits back into, into, the, into that bank account? So one of the things that you can do is look for common ground. Look for something that we can agree on, even if it's the most adversarial type um, um, challenge on the face of the earth. Let's say, I mean, think about Congress for God's sake, right? So, Congress, you got two very polarized groups of people. You got the Republicans, you got the Democrats. Each one of them are dead set that their way is right and the other way, other person's way is wrong. And a lot of times it's really tough to find common ground. But even in that, there's still a lot of situations where 
when they find common ground, it it it's it can create some really long lasting strong relationships. I mean, the best example of this is um, was nine eleven. You know, nine eleven. I mean, the day at, you know for for on nine twelve of of two thousand one, the entire United States was had a common goal. They were, you know, it didn't matter what political party you were on. You, I mean, everybody was kind of geared toward the same type of thing. We had common ground. We had that, we had the, a a common enemy and that kind of thing. So um, you don't necessarily have to wait for something dramatic like 9-11 to happen, but you want to look for those types of pieces of common ground as as often as possible. Um, If you've ever been in a legal dispute, one of the things that that um, good mediators will do is they will they will take both parties. They'll put them in two totally separate rooms so they can't even see each other because they don't want the anger to get involved in the in the conflict. And uh, they'll have each party make up a a list of what he or she wants out of this out of this conflict. In, in a perfect world, what would you want? And they'll make a legal path. and they'll leave them in there for hours sometimes to say, "Hey, what do you want out of this conflict?" And they'll just kind of they'll let them they'll let them write as many things. And and when the when the mediator or the judge who's who's doing the mediation comes back in the room. A lot of times the first time that he or she will come back in the room, they'll say, hey, how many things you got on that legal pad so far? And I got like four, I got five, I got six. Okay, let's see if you can get like 42. If you get to 42, I'm going to be very proud of you, right? And so they want to get as many things on the legal pad as possible. And then eventually what the mediator is going to do is they'll look at both parties' legal pads. They'll look at the, each one of the parties will have made their own their own list of items. And they're looking for anything that's on both pieces of paper and and if they and even if it's something just very minor something totally insignificant if they can if they can agree on that then a lot of times you can agree on something else and then it's breaking the ice if you've ever seen um there's a tv show and i think it's on a and e it's or no history channel i guess history channel it's uh, american pickers these two guys that are antique i think they call themselves antique archaeologists they go out to farms out in the midwest and or actually anywhere in the world, I think really. And they, and they go on these old people's farms. They look for antiques that they can buy from them and, and resell in their antique stores. And it's pretty interesting if you're into history and stuff like that. But one of the things I've kind of noticed that they do on the, on the show is they, the most of the time when they go and knock on somebody's door, that person really isn't interested in selling any of their stuff when they, when they kind of knock on the door for the most part. So what they find is that if they can, what they call break the ice, if they can find something that the person will sell them, then a lot of times it will open the door for other things to occur. And that's really what happens when we're looking for common ground. You find something that you can agree on, even if, even if it's a minor point, and, um, and you're kind of breaking the ice. You can start to agree on more things. So a lot of times when you are uh, doing... Um, when you're in front of a group and you can tell that the audience is um, kind of challenged, one of the things that I like to do in this situation to establish some type of common ground is to ask an audience opinion, uh, an audience participation question that's opinion oriented. So basically, I'm just letting them vent their opinions. So if if it's a controversial subject, I'll just I, sometimes I'll just kind of throw it out there and just say, hey. You know, I know I know we all have our opinions about this kind of thing. Let's just get it all out in the open, though. What what is what do you guys really think? You know, what good, the bad, and the ugly about blank about whatever this is that we're we're kind of talking about. And I'll just let them vent for a little bit. I'm I'm going to let them get through the anger. I'm going to let them 
um, kind of g- give their opinions. And then I will use that as as a way to look for something that we can agree on, because a lot of times what will happen is one of the people in the audience will say something that I agree with. And when they do, I look around the room and I start seeing that other people are like shaking, nodding their heads in in a yes motion as well. And I'm like, okay, great. That's, I mean, that's step one. It looks like that's something that we can kind of all agree upon. So looking for that common ground is, is pretty important. Um, another thing that you can do, which is, which is a little bit more challenge for mo- challenging for most of us, especially if we happen to be the leaders within the organization, is if you're wrong, you got to admit it. If you've made a mistake or if we as a company has has made a mistake, if we try to cover that up or if we try to hide it, the audience is going to see that. So it's a whole lot more effective anyway, is that if you have made a mistake to to just admit it, get it out in the open confess your your mistake and if you do that you're you're more likely to um to build that rapport back with your audience the more that we try to fight it or lay blame or divert it to somebody else the more they're going to see us they're more they're, the audience is going to fight us on it so if you happen to be on the wrong side of the argument you know admit it um, one of the best ways that i like to kind of deal with conflicts and i think this is really i'll save this one for last because i think this is really one of the the um, techniques that is so beneficial to most presenters and speakers is to admit one of your own mistakes before you point out a mistake that somebody else in, in the group is making so if we're if we're delivering this this negative news and we know that um, a number of the different people that are in the audience have made has made a, a mistake. If I can remember back to a time that I was in their shoes and I did something dumb and I did something in a very similar fashion, if I point the finger at myself and kind of say, hey, you know, six years ago when I was in the same position that you guys are in, I, let me, I, I mean, I, I totally screwed up. This is one of the things that I did. And I just kind of tell that story about what I did and how I fixed it. Then a lot of times, it a lot of times the people in the audience will appreciate that because they know that I'm letting them save face. They may know that I know that they've made that same mistake, but I didn't come out and point the finger at them. I said I point the, pointed the finger at myself, and and I gave them some advice that will help them kind of fix the challenge. And if and then give it time. So so once you kind of do that, once you use that technique. You give them a little bit of time to make the corrections. And when when they do make the corrections, you praise them on the correction that they made. So even if everybody in the room is not perfect, the next time we meet, we call attention to the people that have moved in the right direction. And we do more people kind of move in that direction as well. So so dealing with conflicts in, in a presentation is not nearly it's not as it's not as much fun and it's not as much high energy as as a lot of other things that we do. But a lot of times we, we have to do these things. So if you kind of keep those things in mind, it can be very helpful. So be proactive versus reactive, be slow to anger and really be slow to to any other challenging emotion as well. Um, Call attention to other people's mistakes indirectly. Look for some type of common ground. Look for something that you can agree on. And if you're wrong, admit it. And then finally, in order to kind of create a behavior change in the people in the audience, tell somebody about a mistake that you made that was similar to what you're pointing out to them. And they'll be more likely to make a a behavior change as as a result of it. So. So that um, so the um, the tips there can be very helpful, not only in a presentation, but you can use them around the office, around around the home. Uh, They're very, very helpful. Um, Next week, we're going to cover the last session 
of the communication skills that we're going to talk about. And it's going to be about how to gain cooperation, be a lot more fun, a lot more interesting, and you'll get some, some really good benefit out of it. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Fearless Presentations podcast, make sure and do that. We are getting I think hundreds, if not, I think we're probably getting around thousands of different new subscribers every single week now. I think the last time I checked the statistics, I think we we were having somewhere around eighty or ninety thousand downloads every single every single week. And I think in the since uh, the inception, we've had about a million people download the uh, Fearless Presentations podcast, and that's been a couple of months ago. So so we really appreciate you guys that are subscribing, and we hope that you're getting some great value out of the Fearless Presentations podcast. We'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.